belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for the week of January 10th, 2021 is called the Isaiah Overture. This begins our study in Isaiah. The speaker is John Ray, and the location is 2828 Crossover, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Really glad you could join with us, whether you're watching now or listening later to the podcast. We are super glad you are here this morning. Not long ago, they added a new trail up in Bentonville called Hammer Drop. And it is a roller coaster that has a couple spots so, so steep that when you start off, you can't see the trail. Like you have to go over the trail before you see it and you dive down into it. Now, the logical and cautious thing to do would be to take this very slowly would be to examine each part, hit the brakes, and make your way slowly down the hill. The problem is you'll never get up the other side if you do that. You need the momentum of going down before you come up. A couple of weeks ago, we got together with the teaching team and we started reading through Isaiah, reading straight through the book. We got through the first handful of chapters. And I'll, let me tell you, it is a roller coaster that we're in for in this study. We are going to take a deep dive into Isaiah. What we're going to see is a people on course to hit bottom. They are hurtling towards destruction. And I'm not saying that we need to reach rock bottom that we should intentionally or purposefully hurl ourselves towards sinful behavior. But sometimes what we see is God allows us to do that, allows us to hit the bottom before he can bring us up. So we're going to need to be ready to really go deep into this study. So buckle up, y'all. Pray with me. God, enlighten our hearts Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to wisely discern, and lovingly obey you. God, we desperately need you. Teach us through this study, not just so that we have head knowledge, but so that our hearts and lives are transformed, and your kingdom will come, and your will will be done more and more in this earth. God, as we start this new year as Grace Church, make us one as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all one. Grow us, God. Continue to reach out and to bring people who need to be part of this community to us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So, Isaiah is a huge book. And even though we're going to take the rest of the winter and the spring and, and into a little bit in the summer to, to go through it, there's no way that we can touch on all the parts. We've, we're breaking it into chunks. Some chunks will be longer, some will be shorter than that. And the first chunk 
is chapters one through five. Now, we're not going to take time to read all of chapters one through five, but I want to encourage you strongly to do that, to find time this week, maybe today, to read all five chapters of this book. This morning, we're just going to read the first 20 verses of chapter one. So this is Isaiah chapter one, starting with verse one. Here is the message about Judah and Jerusalem that was revealed to Isaiah, the son of Amoz, during the time when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah ruled over Judah. Those are all names we're going to become very familiar with. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, O earth, for the Lord speaks. I raised children. I bought them up, but they have rebelled against me. An ox recognizes its owner. A donkey recognizes where its owner puts its food. But Israel does not recognize me. My people do not understand. Beware, sinful nation, the people weighed down by evil deeds. They are offsprings who do wrong, children who do wicked things. They have abandoned the Lord and rejected the Holy One of Israel. They are alienated from him. Why do you assist on being battered? Why do you continue to rebel? Your head has a massive wound. Your whole heart is sick from the soles of your feet to your head. There is no spot that is unharmed. There are only bruises, cuts, and open wounds. They have not been cleansed or bandaged, nor have they been treated with olive oil. Your land is devastated. Your cities burned with fire right before your eyes. Your crops are being destroyed by foreign invaders. They leave behind devastation and destruction. Daughter Zion is left isolated. Like a hut in a vineyard or a shelter in a cucumber field, she is a besieged city. If the Lord of Heaven's armies had not left a few survivors, we would have quickly become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. Listen to the Lord's message. You leaders of Sodom, pay attention to our God's rebuke, you people of Gomorrah. Of what importance to me are your many sacrifices? Again, this is the Lord speaking. Of what importance to me are your many sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had my fill of burnt sacrifices, of rams and the fat of steers, the blood of bulls, lambs, goats. I I do not want. When you enter my presence, do you actually think I want this? Animals trampling on my courtyards? Do not bring your meaningless offerings. I consider your incense detestable. You observe the new moon festival, Sabbaths, convocations. I cannot tolerate sin-stained celebrations. I hate your new moon festivals and assemblies. They are a burden that I am tired of carrying. When you spread out your hands in prayers, I look the other way. When you offer your many prayers, I do not listen because your hands are covered with blood. Wash, cleanse yourselves, remove your sinful deeds from my sight, stop sinning, learn to do what is right, promote justice, give the oppressed reason to celebrate, take up the cause of the orphan, defend the rights of the widow, come, let's consider your options, says the Lord. Though your sins have stained you like the color red, you can become white like snow. Though they are easy to see as the color scarlet, you can become white like wool. If you have a willing attitude and obey, then you will again eat a good crop of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Know for certain 
that the Lord has spoken. Wow, right? Like uh, he doesn't pull any punches right from the start. In chapters one through five, what we see is an overture of a way. It, it, it kind of lays out the whole trajectory of the book. It touches on the major themes. And we're going to go back and see time and time again how these are played out throughout the book. The big idea here is that holiness is a dynamic orienting and integrating of how we live, work, and worship. What we think, how we feel, how we act and present ourselves. And God is defined by God's holiness. If we want to know what God is like, we need to know what holiness is, what it looks like, smells like, tastes like, looks like. And the sin that God is addressing right out of the gate, he's going to address many sins, but the one right out of the gate that he is addressing is the disparity or the disconnect or the unholeness with what people meant in their hearts when they were at worship and how they actually lived their lives. You see, it's perfectly possible, if not common, for people to have genuine, honest, even vibrant religious feelings. Things that characterize as convictions and beliefs. And yet live lives that are actually abhorrent to God. Directly opposed to what God expects and not even realize what's going on. It, we have a tendency to to think that bad people do bad things and they're bad all the time and that you can easily spot that. But God is talking here and the prophet here is going to be talking to those of us who like going to church, who want to worship God, who come away after a service or a message, especially when we're together, feeling like they have encountered God in full up and yet somehow leave that experience thinking that they have done what is pleasing to God and then go live lives that are abhorrent to God and not even realize the disconnect, the unholiness of it. Well, we need to ask ourselves right from the start, are we willing to really consider what makes God angry? I know we talk like, a lot here about what God's make what makes God happy, and we will continue to do that. But today, and in the study, we need to be willing to ask, what is it that makes God angry? Are we willing to see how our own affections, allegiances, and associations, our lives, line up with what we say we believe and who we say we love, believe in, and follow? Are we willing to not just project our own prejudices and preferences and assume that they are the same as God's? But with honesty, but instead with honesty, humility, and willingness to repent when we find the disconnect? Well, let me tell you, if we're not, we need to quit the study right now. If we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to put everything on the table, repent where we need to repent. Let's not waste our time. Let's not invest another moment in play acting. 
Because we see from the start that it is abhorrent to God, that he hates it. So we need to commit, Grace Church, every one of us, as we listen today, as we reflect on this this week, are we willing, are we willing with our whole hearts, everything that we have, respond to what the Holy Spirit is going to teach us through this study as we go through this? And we need to know how to approach the book as we do this as well. Along with this, we need to understand that Isaiah means Yahweh is deliverance. And the book is about Yahweh. It's about God. It's not, I mean, we're, we have response to it, but the book isn't about us. We need to understand that this is a collection of sermons. We're, we're going to get into the, the, the structure of it and the study of it so that we can greatly understand it. But this is a collection of sermons. Sometimes it makes sense in a flow. Sometimes it doesn't. But we're going to look at a huge swath, over 150 years of Israel's history here. And there's a lot that we're going to have to work to properly understand, or it's going to get confusing, boring, overwhelming. We need to understand that the importance of Isaiah. Isaiah is the most quoted book in the New Testament other than the Psalms. It is It is the book that Jesus announces his ministry from. He quotes, he reads from Isaiah when he starts his ministry, and it formed his imagination around who he was, his ministry, and what he was about. Isaiah is often called the proto-gospel because of its themes that we're going to get into. And we need to understand that while we greatly benefit from the writings here, the main ministry of Isaiah was not to write. Isaiah wasn't set sent and just sat down and wrote one book and then was done. No, he was an actual flesh and blood person or people we'll see preaching and prophetically witnessing. We need to understand that this is not just a book for us, but it is an invitation to know people as well as we know ourselves. But I also want to ask, add another word of caution here. As much as I started off with, about the absolute need for us to understand and examine our own lives in light of what we might find here. This book is not ultimately about this. So one of the resources that we're going to use, and I I want to encourage everyone to get it, is this little um, commentary. It's part of the Bible for Everyone series. We've used this before. And this particular book, the book of Isaiah, is by John Goldingay, who's one of the preeminent Old Testament Um, theologians. This is what he has to say about Isaiah. He says, Christians sometimes assume that the basic thing about their faith is that it's a challenge to live the right kind of life and pursue peace and justice. And that the stories of the Old Testament, which he calls the First Testament, the stories in the First Testament are there to give us good examples or, or warning examples. But the stories themselves rarely have moral evaluations built into them. And people reading the stories may disagree about the moral evaluation we should come to. This points us to the fact that the stories are more about what God has been doing than about what humans have been doing. God is pursuing a project to bring into being a world that fulfills its creation purpose. He sometimes has to pursue this objectives despite the actions of the people he gets involved with. But the propriety of their actions is not the main point. 
The main point is that God is at work. The main theme we will see indeed, as I said before, is this God, Yahweh is deliverance or the Holy One of Israel. That's how God is referenced here more than any other Old Testament book, the Holy One of Israel. And this holiness we need to understand. The only way we're going to understand how we respond to that is to understand the holiness of God. We see this in what God loves and we see this in what God abhors. We see that what, this in what God promotes, and we see this in what God opposes. Now, we have the benefit of understanding God as encountered in Jesus. We read the entire scripture, what we call a grace, in, in not just here, but is called a Christological hermeneutic, that, that Christ is the one who interprets scripture for us. So we're still, we can still do that while at the same time really engaging with God as God is presented in Isaiah. And whenever those two things come in conflict or we struggle with how to interpret them, we just remember that there is no, there is nothing in God that is not Christ-like. There is no unchristlikeness in God. Now, what's it going to take to get the most out of this? Well, Get this, get the study guide, get this, but also use, and that's listed in the learning guide. Use the learning guide. Continue the practices that we established in the fall. Every day, on well, on most days, you'll receive an email, a prompt, whether for prayer, for action, to ask a question, to give you resources to study, to read. Engage with those resources. Stay in the study. And we understand you can't do it every week, but make a commitment to go back and make up the weeks you don't. It's not, it's not that overwhelming. You can do it if you apply yourself, if you set your intention to do it. Commit to reading the text as well. Like I said, we only read 20 chapters or 20 verses out of five chapters. Read the text and read them in as many versions as you can. Commit also to discussing wrestling with the text in community. Your community may just be your, your partner, or it may be your grace group. It may be friends. It may be a book club, but, but take it out of just your head and put it in your mouth. Talk about it. Ask questions about it. Really genuinely seek to understand what other people are learning and do that, but talk about it. And commit to putting into practice what you learn. As I said earlier, if we're not willing to act on this, why do it? We need to stop. Commit to acting on this. And commit along the way to being uncomfortable because acting on it is inevitably going to be uncomfortable at times. Uh, I came across a quote recently, um, another quote from Eugene Peterson. He said this, he said, Christian churches are not a rule, are not as a rule, model communities of good behavior, right? Christian communities are not models of good behavior. They are rather places where human misbehavior is brought out in the open, faced and dealt with. That's who we're supposed to be as a church. We're not perfect and we're never going to be perfect, y'all. We're never going to get it all together. 
We're never going to follow all the rules. We're never going to behave perfectly. We can't do it. It's, it's impossible. Yes, we need to try, but we need to also understand we're going to make mistakes. And the thing about the church is, it's not that we, that we disqualify, that we cancel the people that make mistakes. No, we bring that out and then we deal with it. We face it. We deal with it. That's what Isaiah is doing. He's saying he's bringing out this and he's saying, face it. Let's deal with this. Let's get down to the bottom and let's deal with it. And let's quit pretending we have it all together. We don't. We need help. We desperately need to understand the holiness of God and see God is our deliverer. At Grace Church, we practice, our whole practice starts with following Jesus as part of belonging. The practice of identifying ourselves as integral parts of this community and welcoming others. We do this as part of becoming more like Jesus, practicing seeing the Imago Dei, the, the image of God in others and in ourselves. And this enables us to see what isn't of God as well, which we're going to study through Isaiah, what isn't of God, so we can deal with it, see what is broken, what is ignorant, sick, or rebellious in us. This leads us to believe the promises and power of God as never before. They are meaningless if we don't need them. The promises and power of God are, are meaningless if we can do it on our own or we already have it together. And this leads us to express the gospel, to confess it and profess it in profoundly new ways. Well, this has been an exceedingly tough past week for me. On top of um, preaching the funeral of my father, I watched the events in the nation's capital unfold. Separated from my family here in Arkansas. Watching these things happen in a place where Jane and and I have visited many times. Jane has a brother that lives very close to D.C. We've walked those steps, stood on those steps, walked through those places. <clears throat> and it was, it was disorienting, to say the least, disgusting at times. Y'all, as we watch these things, these events, other events unfold in our disrupted world right now. We are going to need to learn to discern between the cries of those who are actually oppressed and the ranting and perceived injuries of those doing the oppressing or even the unwitting bidding of those orchestrating injustice. We're going to need to humbly contemplate where our own action, affections, attitudes, and allegiances place us in the story and in relationship to what God is truly after. We're going to need, we're going to have to learn to really listen to God's voice 
above all the voices of distraction, above our own preferences, prejudices, and agendas. But be encouraged, y'all. Just like the big drop that I talked about at the beginning, we don't have to be afraid to find bottom. We don't have to be afraid to face the darkness, to look clear-eyed at the depth of our own complicity in sin, because we know there is no depth God cannot bring us out of. And often it is only when we get there that we can start to rise upward towards the light. Thank you for listening to the Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can find out more about us at gracechurchnwa.org. Have a blessed week.